Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we have industry veteran Nick Warrenzoff with us. Nick is the founder of NW3 Access. NW3 Access is a company that acts as both a financial agent for advisors and investors and a placement agent for private equity fund managers. Thanks so much for being with us, Nick. Thank you, Doug. I'm a big fan of the folks at Advisorpedia and what you guys bring to the industry. I really enjoy listening to your podcast and I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Well, thank you. You've taken a very successful career in financial services, working with large firms like Fidelity Investments and smaller firms like Virtus, and focused it on a new company. What is NW3 Access, and is there significance to the name? Doug, thanks again. Let's start with the what. We give our clients access to private markets through various stages of venture, pre-IPOs, whatever you want to call that, which in essence has the capabilities to provide investors with superior asset allocation options within various industries and sectors. Now the why, it's the culmination of 30 years of learning, supporting, assisting, listening, and consulting with advisors. It's the building of trust, dedication, knowledge. It's the expertise, and it's the hard work that are the cornerstones of their businesses. And I wanted to incorporate that into my business, NW3 Access. Our industry is ever changing. The days of 60-40 equity fixed portfolios has long gone the way of the dinosaur. Alternatives are a mainstay in most portfolios if an advisor has access to this. And investors who embrace private markets have enjoyed excess returns relative to their public market peers, and they benefit from attractive portfolio diversification features. Lastly, the how. We act as a placement agent for a select few private equity managers who have a demonstrated track record of success. This allows for competitive minimums, fees, and broad access. And lastly, regarding the naming, I knew access needed to be in the name because that's what I'm solving for, which is why I knew that had to be incorporated. But two other important aspects were agent and affordability. Agent solving a service issue in our industry that is sorely needed, and affordability is the roadblock to most people investing in this space. Thus, that's where I got the three, access, agent, and affordability. And it just so happens to be the third. I'm a Nick Warren's of the third, so it all just fit together. It does. What's the opportunity out there for advisors and their investors in this space? Well, let's start with the portfolio benefits, including non-correlation, low volatility, enhanced returns, diversification, alpha generator, global investment, and a potential inflation hedge in, in today's day and age. I think we all could use that. Uh, let's, uh, let me touch on a couple of those individually. So let's talk about non-correlation, investing in private transactions of companies before they go public, tends not to move like the public markets. They move on company news and not macroeconomic themes or global unrest. 
uh, enhance returns. As in all private transactions, investors need to understand they put all their money at risk when they're doing this. But for doing that, they have the ability to make outsized returns. So it's our goal here to find top managers who invest in companies that minimize that risk. Investing in private companies also eliminates the daily market volatility. Our investors wait for a go public time and our targeted timeline is six months to three years. So I came out of a private equity fund that had an eight year to 10 year timeline. So our focus here is to limit that uh, and, and have a shorter timeline. And then I think also you look at the global markets in IPOs, China led that market in 2020 with uh, over 500 or 536 IPOs. The U.S. was second with 224. And then you had Hong Kong and there's the Nordic region, Japan, Australia, Indonesia, and, and India. So you've got this global diversification in a portfolio in these types of securities. And then let's talk about in terms, returns. In 2020, IPOs earned an average of 76%. If you want to add SPAC mergers to that, that was about 41%. The NASDAQ was up 38% and the S&P was 13%. And remember, this is at the IPO. If you looked at what we're offering, it's pre-IPO. So even before the IPO is, is, uh, is announced and going public. I'll give you a couple of examples here. Uh, if you invested in Snowflake at the IPO, you were up 154%. If you invested on the first day after it went public, you were up 20%. Zoom Info, 115% at the IPO, 33% after it went public. Airbnb, 115 and one. DoorDash, 38 at the IPO, negative 26 once it went public. And remember, we're looking at pre-IPOs. So if you took an, if you give an example, this is Snowflake is a great example. If you invested pre-IPO in Snowflake, you were up between three and 400%. So all of those things cumulate non-correlation, low volatility, enhanced returns, diversification, alpha generator, globally investing, and a poor, uh, potential inflation hedge. Hey, what's not to like about the space? Well, obviously the new world of IPOs is not what it used to be. Can you explain it? And companies are waiting longer to become public. Why is that? The good news there is there are quite a few new entrants, including some larger players who are providing transparency and liquidity. I recently listened to one of your podcasts that had one of these folks on there. I think it's great. I mean, transparency and liquidity in a space that doesn't have this is a wonderful addition to the marketplace, but the problem still remains. Too much information is too much information. Where do you begin? What are the differences? And it's challenging bringing private transactions retail which can be good and can be bad. So for us, pre-IPO ventures are getting plenty of press. We all know the great stories of Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Google, Zoom Info, and so many others. Yet for as many positive stories, there are quite a few negative ones as well. If you look at the statistics, over one quarter of the IPOs in 2020 generated negative first day returns. So our focus is to narrow down the options. We don't want to be the Amazon in the space. There are plenty of others doing that. Our goal is to bring unique ideas from unique managers. And yes, you're right. Companies are waiting longer to go public. That's great news for private investors in that by staying private longer, these companies are generating revenue. So there's more information for an advisor or an investor to base an investment decision on, where in the past, much of this was guesswork on ideas 
So I, I like it. Seems good. My friend recommended it to me rather than true financial viability, which is where these decisions are being based now. These companies are creating significant value while they're private. So that's when you want to get in. It also helps de-risk an investment. I know that's, I'm not even sure that's a term, but I've, I've uh, if it isn't, I'm, I'm inventing it here. Uh, de-risking investment when happens when a firm demonstrates strong revenue, plans to income profitability, expected near-term liquidity, and they've got strong management teams in place. This is just to name a few things. So there's a great reason why these companies are staying public, uh, private longer and taking longer to go public. Is there a perfect time for these companies to go public? It seems to be the magic question. <laughs> and the good news is I leave that to the smart guys, our managers and the companies they invest in. Uh, companies now go public to create a liquidity event for employees and investors, where typically in the past years, it was to generate investment capital to build their businesses. They've got access to significant larger pools of investment capital, whether that's through SPACs, we all hear lots of news on SPACs, or other private equity firms that um, the needs to go public sooner rather than later, it's just not necessary. Uh, so these firms can now build their businesses, expand, grow, invest, and build value all while being private. And with expanded access to invest in pre-IPOs to these large secondary groups, it minimizes the need to go public earlier than a company prefers. So for an example, if you're an employee within one of these companies, there's means to create liquidity in your um, ownership in that business, where in the past, you know, pe people went public, companies went public in one to two to three years because that's how employees got paid. Now there's other mechanisms for them to, to monetize these uh, securities uh, in the near term. So the bottom line is these companies get to build strong businesses privately and go public to reward employees and investors for their patience. Great answer. What are you making better in this space? And what's going to be the difference for an advisor who works with you? To us, it's about access, ideas, and service. There are so many pre-IPO options and opportunities. If you Google pre-IPO today, you can read, research, and learn for days and days on end. Believe me, I've done it. Our goal is to make it easy for our advisors. Having spent the past six years specifically in private equity, I learned that advisors are always looking for great ideas and access to great managers. We're a conduit to that. Your career is about building trusted relationships. Where do you see that fitting into the spinning world? The spinning world, yes. As long as it keeps spinning, I'm good with that. Uh, <laughs> my goal is to bring self-service uh, back to self-service. I hear it all the time. Advisors want to know their vendors are champions for them and their clients. My relation with advisors that started in the late 80s after I graduated college, I got into the space directly working for financial advisors and brokers. Uh, they know they can count on me to provide thoughts, ideas, support, answers, and direction. I've done it for over 30 years. As I, I say within our company tagline here, we listen, we find, we connect, we engage, we negotiate, we transact, we support, and we champion all on the behalf of our clients. Sure, that means we won't be able to have as many clients, but that's okay, because the ones we have will get institutional service from day one. So in essence, 
you become a financial agent. Does that sound right? And if it does, how does that work? Yeah, I, I, I love that financial agent. I, I remember thinking about building out this business and I thought of how many industries have agents, whether it's sports agents or media agents. But in this space, there's nobody championing on behalf of our advisors. So I came up with a thought around a financial agent. So in essence, we become a personal guide to venture pre-IPO products, resources, and service. Our clients have tons of challenges. Our goal here is become their solution. So we research and access a select group of managers with a track record of success. So we minimize the number of data points that they need to look at out of the gate. We provide access to data rooms, proprietary research, and to our partners. And this then minimizes and eliminates many of the barriers that our advisors are facing today. I call it noise. With multiple sponsors under one umbrella, we can find investments our clients seek even when capacity is limited, because as you can imagine in this space, it is about capacity. So nobody wants to typically invest or take a lot of risk in the early days, because as we all know, a lot of these companies will not make it. But in the later days, there's definitely limited access. As I mentioned, these platforms providing this secondary access is also gobbling up that capacity as well. So limited capacity is a constraint for a lot of our investors. You can like something, but eventually if it's not available, it doesn't matter. So we try to remove our managers from day-to-day -day service and sales, which then allows them to focus on what they do best, which is investing, managing investments, and finding new investments. We provide transparency in an industry that is anything but transparent by providing access to our managers' proprietary reporting. We facilitate downloads to custodians. Everybody loves seeing it on a statement. It makes it real. We provide update calls and also the latest news on pre-IPO opportunities. So our offering gives investors private access to private value creation which in the old days was only available to institutional investors, ultra high net worth investors. Well, our goal here is to bring that downstream a little bit. And the best part about this is we share in our partners fees. Thus, there's no additional costs for our service. When our investors invest with us, whether they go direct, which they typically cannot do that with our managers because they have capacity constraints and limited access, but we provide them access to that at no additional cost. You touched on a little bit of this earlier, but let's underline it. Why should advisors be interested in IPOs for their clients? Where do they fit and how important are they in a portfolio? Doug, for so many reasons, but in addition to all the benefits I mentioned earlier, investors in public markets face the fact that companies are increasingly moving away from listing on public markets. The number of publicly listed companies in developed markets has decreased by approximately 50% since the peak number in the 1990s. That's huge. So the pool of investments has shrunk significantly. So thus an advisor to build a well-diversified portfolio, access to pre-IPOs can be an essential component. And statistics show that a well-diversified portfolio is essential to minimizing risk and lowering their volatility. So these are all things that advisors are clamoring for today, whether you want to call it alpha Whatever that number is, these are the things that we're looking to provide. 
And if access to venture is available at lower minimums, this allows advisors to incorporate more of this in their clients' portfolios and across a significantly larger portion of their portfolios. Typically in the past, advisors would research ideas and only access, have these ideas accessible to their top clients. This allows it a broader scope across their client base. And listen, at the end of the day, if um, with the likes of COVID seemingly to be around for a long time, investments in biotech and pharma also potentially fills an SRI and ESG component. So it's got a great feel to it. Uh, so I, I think there are multiple reasons, as I mentioned earlier, alpha, non-correlation, inflation hedge, but all that there's also that feel-good ESG SRI component as well. Nick, what's the best way for people to find you? The best way is, is uh, a few different ways through our website, NW3 Access. We've got a wealth of information that supports all this information we have discussed here today. They can email me at nickw3 at, uh, let's, say, try, let's try the best way to email is uh, nick at nw3access.com. Or my phone is 610-212-0040. Those are the best ways to get access to me. Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck with your new company. Doug, truly appreciate it. I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time with me today. I look forward to uh, diving into more of the stuff that you've got on your website as well. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time today. Great. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everyone at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.